passage of Scripture in Psalm 137. And um, the message the Lord's given me, I was praying, you know, Lord, where do you want me to go? And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me that I'm to ask you a question this morning. And the question is, where do you live? And the answer to that question I think by the time we're finished in these few moments we share together, we'll take a little different idea. But think about that for just a minute. Where do you live? What's your dwelling place? Where do you abide? What's the place from which you step out into the world? The answer to that question has a tremendously significant impact upon how we live is where we live. And I've lived in a lot of different places in the natural. I've lived in the mountains, and I've lived in the city, and I've lived in the hamlets, and I've lived in the metropolises, and I've fought traffic, and then I've fought elk, you know, on back roads in Wyoming. Uh, I've, I've seen and physically in the natural world, I've lived in a lot of different places. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm really talking about is where does your spirit, where does your inner man live? Because if you live in the wrong place, it's going to dramatically impact and affect the level of victory you live out of. It's going to dramatically affect the capacity and ability to handle each day's challenges. This is the answer to the question, where do you live? And I want us to look here at Psalm 137 and looking at verse 1. It says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it, for there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? You know, I know there have been times in my own life when I have lived in my heart in Babylon. I'm not just talking about the negative, sinful, temptation aspects of Babylon. But Babylon's really a picture of the natural world. Babylon's a picture of this world under the control of the adversary. Babylon's a picture of the circumstances of life apart from the kingdom of God. And in this passage of Scripture, in the natural, the people of God had been taken away into captivity. They had been exiled, and they were in Babylon. It was a result of their disobedience. It was a result of the fact that though they had come out of Egypt and they had crossed the Red Sea, and they had inherited the promised land, they lost the promised land because of disobedience and idolatry, and they ended up now in Babylon for 70 years of captivity. And now away from the promised land, away from the promises of God, from Canaan, that they had worked and traveled and spent 40 years in the wilderness until a generation came that would trust God and went into the promises, now they had lost that. And now they were over in Babylon. And in Babylon, the Bible says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, there we wept, there we remembered Zion. We remembered what it was like to live in the promises of God. 
And I don't know about you, but, you know, in the world, the world is a pretty loud place. It has the capacity to get my attention. It's, it's hard to ignore the world I live in, the problems, the issues, the temptations, the struggles, the tests, the hardships, the noise of the world is very, very, very loud. And over time, if we're not careful, we can be captivated by the world, pulled out of the promises of God, pulled out of Zion, pulled out of the spirit, pulled into the flesh, pulled into the circumstances, pulled into the problems, pulled into the world around us and gradually find ourselves no longer living in the promises of God, of his peace, of his joy, of his hope, of his purpose in our hearts, but now we're living in Babylon. And once we move out of the realm of the promises of God, out of the realm of the spirit of God, out of the realm of the kingdom of God, because we get captivated by the lies of the enemy, the deceptions that are around us and get pulled over into that realm, the result is that there's some very negative aspects that happen. He talks about them. For example, number one, he says, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat down. To me, this is a picture of a loss of motivation. You know, when you start living out of the world and not out of the word, you start to lose motivation. You just kind of feel like there's nothing I can really do. You look at the world, and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And you think, what's really the motivation? What's the impact? What difference can I make? Why even make an attempt to do anything? I might as well just sort of hang on with my claws until this whole deal's over. And that can happen when you begin to live in Babylon rather than in Zion in your heart. When you live by the rivers of Babylon, you lose motivation. They sat down. The Bible says not only do they lose motivation, but it says they began to weep. There was a sorrow, a grieving that came over their spirit. Instead of joy, instead of peace, instead of a sense of purpose, instead of excitement about life, there was just kind of a drudgery. They were just in captivity. They looked around at the world. The world's not getting any better. There's nothing we can really do about it. We lose motivation, and we begin to lose heart. There's some of you that are in this room right now. I'm just going to tell you as I've been praying about this this week. There's some of you that that's exactly where you're living. You're living in the circumstances. You're living in the world. You're living out of the promises of God inside. You're living by the rivers of Babylon. And when you live by the rivers of Babylon, you lose your motivation and you begin to lose heart. When that's where you're dwelling in the inside of yourself. This is then we remembered Zion. I mean, this is a picture of the loss of hope because hope always has to do with the future. But memory always has to do with the past. They were remembering, I remember when God moved in my life. I remember when we were living in the promises of God. I remember when we were, uh, we were rooted in the things of God. I remember when we were the golden age of the earth. I remember when Solomon's temple was magnificent. I remember when, I remember when, I remember when. You're living in the past as though that was the great day of God, was the past. I remember the great moves of God that used to happen. I remember this church the way it used to be. You see, when you begin to move into Babylon, when you get captivated by the enemy and in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit, you're no longer living in the kingdom of God, you begin to move into the world and out of the word, the result of that is that something begins to change. You, you lose a sense of motivation. You lose a sense of heart. 
You lose a sense of hope. You stop thinking about the future of what God's doing now and wants to do in the future in our lives. Instead, we just live in the memories of what he once did. But the most sad and and symbolic picture here I see is that we lose our song. The Bible says when we remembered Zion, we hung up our harp upon the willows in the midst of it. For those who carried us away captive, they were saying, okay, where's your song, saints? Where's your joy? Where's your song? Where's your music? Where's your heart? Where's your hope? You see, the enemy loves to mock us because we move out of the promises of God and out of the word of God into the realm of the flesh, into the realm of the world, into the realm of what's seen instead of the realm that's unseen, into the realm that's temporal instead of the realm that's eternal. And the result is we lose our motivation, we lose our heart, we lose our hope, we lose our song. And it says the enemy tormented them. So sing us one of the songs of Zion. There's somebody I'm just speaking by by the Spirit right now in my heart right now. There's somebody you've lost your song, I'm just telling you, And the enemy's tormenting you about it. And you're saying, why? Supposedly I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm born of the Spirit. And yet there's no joy, there's no hope, there's no motivation. That's what happens based on where you live. It's an inevitability if you're living by the rivers of Babylon. You're going to hang up your harp. For those who carried us away captive, asked of a song, those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. But notice the people of God's response. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? You see, if in the the inside of your mind and of your heart, by the Spirit, Lord, I just ask you to make this real to somebody that's listening right now that needs to hear this so desperately, inside your heart, if you're living in a foreign land, in other words, you're living on earth, inside, in the natural, inside, in the temporal, inside, how can you sing the song of the Lord? It doesn't fit. It's an inappropriate song to sing if you're living in the foreign land. You know, I can remember a time in my life when I was, um, I was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we had a pretty beautiful view of the Tetons, and my church was a log cabin church, and you could look out the back of the church and see the, the, the Tetons behind us. And it's a, it's a pretty spectacular place if you've never been there. There's no, no place quite like it in North America. And, and then after being there a few years, the Lord took us out of there and he moved us to Athens, Georgia. Uh, Charles Stanley's son, Andy, was a friend of mine when we were both youth pastors in Atlanta and I happened to see Charles one day and I wasn't sure he would remember me, so I walked up to him and I started to reintroduce myself and his first words were, he said, what would possess a man to leave Jackson Hole, Wyoming and move to Athens, Georgia? <laughs> so I guess he had heard the news. And I said, only one thing, the Lord. 
And, you know, I could remember at the time, we lived in out just south of the Yellowstone National Park, Grand Tetons National Park, and pristine waters and magnificent mountain vistas. And somebody decided they wanted to take me out because they knew I was from Wyoming to a park. And we went to this park, and, you know, the, everything was man-made. <laughs> and, you know, the pools of water were all a little murky. And, you know, it was just, it was like, I don't know how to explain it. But it was just not Jackson Hole, Wyoming. But I remember one day I was driving down the road and I looked in the distance, I saw the clouds. And when I saw the clouds, they, they almost fit like the pattern in the distance of the size of the Tetons because they were so big. And for just a moment, I imagined that I was driving towards those mountains. And all of a sudden, something just transformed in my heart. Instead of feeling like I was in sort of a, a lesser, less beautiful place, suddenly for just a moment, I was there in that place. And suddenly I began to realize, you know, I get a choice, not where I live here, but where I live here. I can decide where I'm going to live in my spirit and in my heart. And from that point on, I settled into a new place there. And, and those clouds became my friends. They were my mountains. Whenever I'd see them, I'd just get captivated by the beauty of the clouds. You see, it's the same sort of idea, but much deeper and much more profound and much more authentically real to make a decision where you're going to live because you don't have to live by the rivers of Babylon. You say, well, what are you talking about, Mike? I can't pick up. I mean, I'm in this world. I, it's all around me. The problems are here. The noise is here. The testings are here. The troubles are here. How do you, what do you mean? What I mean is that you get to make a choice as to whether on the inside of yourself, whether you live in the problems, the troubles, the captivity of the adversary in this world and its temporal issues, or whether you move in your spirit to another river. Because there is another river that you can live by. It's found over in the book of Psalms, chapter 46. Psalm 46 says, God is is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, verse 4, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Yeah, I remember many, many, many years ago I was doing ministry, and I was primarily a worship leader back in those days. And we were called upon, we were in prison ministries, and we were traveling and doing state and federal prisons up and down the East Coast, and we happened to end up in Reedsville, Georgia. And while we were there, we were taken up by the warden onto death row. And I remember when I walked into that prison and the doors closed and the dinginess of that prison and just the 
cruel looks of, of violence that I felt all around me and the sense of the spiritual darkness that was in that place. And then when we got up on death row and I saw men that some of them had not seen anything other than just the sky through a grate and they'd been there, some of them, for decades on death row. And I remember that feeling of just, I'm in a foreign land. I'm in a place that I don't fit. I'm in a place that doesn't make any sense to me. And that feeling of being overwhelmed. And then I remember when they introduced me to one of the inmates. And I went over and sat down in a chair just outside of his cell. And they had taken us in to the place where they actually have the electric chair and shown us the electric chair. And they'd shown us the embalming table. And what they called the last mile, which was the last time a man could see the sky before he was taken in to be executed. And he walked out onto a little corridor that had a grate full of pigeon droppings. And he walked down that corridor and then into the room where the electric chair was. It was painted white. And I remember feeling so out of place until I sat down with this man. And I looked at him through the, through the grate. And we started talking, and within a matter of a few moments, I could suddenly feel the compassion of Christ beginning to raise up inside of me. And there in that dark, dingy, horrible place of captivity, I found that I was living in the kingdom of God. I found that the joy of the Lord started coming to my as I began to share Christ with him and talk to him about the love of God and talk to him about the extraordinary, limitless, fathomless capacity of God to forgive anything where humility would replace human pride. And there in that few moments as we shared, an envelope of the presence of God came over us in one of the darkest places I've ever been in my life. And once again, the Lord began to teach me the lesson that I don't have to live where my feet are planted. That I can live in a completely different place. That there is a different river than the river of Babylon. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There's a river where God is in the midst of it. There's a river where God can utter his voice and the earth and Babylon melts away at the sound of his voice. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of refuge is our strength. I'm not talking theoretical. Listen, I don't want you to think that I'm living in a white ivory tower of theological ignorance. Because that's not where I came from. You see, I grew up in a family where my mother was mentally ill. My father and mother were divorced. My mother was in and out of mental hospitals, had shock treatments. My father divorced and ran away. My father was a news broadcaster on TV and ran away with the weather girl who was also a jazz singer. I grew up in jazz clubs where my stepmother was singing on the stage. I fell asleep on leather, uh, uh, you know, lounge chairs as a kid. My parents didn't take me to church. They didn't pray with me. They never talked to me about the things of God, never made any attempt to explain anything about the meaning of life to me. My mother died when she was 60 years of age. She was married three times. I had a sister was married four times. So I'm not talking about something that I read about in a book somewhere. I'm talking about real life. I'm talking about the kind of life that you and I have to live every day. With the problems, with the pain, with the difficulties, with the hardships, with the struggles, with the heartbreak, with the things that come against us. I have a daughter who's given me permission to share. I've got three daughters. My oldest daughter went through a very difficult time. She struggled with 
anorexia, bulimia. Then a few years later, she got married too young. She got pregnant fairly quickly after she got married, and the child was born with some medical issues that caused them to have high medical bills, and they went through 10 years of a very difficult marriage. They ended up, she ended up drinking, and she, then she ended up into some prescription drug use, anti-anxiety and antidepressant medications. And then she went through a divorce. And then after the divorce, she went to a drug treatment program, and then she fell in love with a guy while she was there who was also a drug guy, only much worse drug issues. She ended up getting pregnant out of being married. So what I'm talking to you about in terms of where you live, I'm not talking theory. I'm telling you that in the realities and the nitty-gritty of life, you can let the enemy pull you over into Babylon where the problems and the difficulties and the hardships and the heartbreak and the things that are going on in your life cause you just to lose all of your motivation, lose all of your hope, lose your song, or you can decide to live in the word and not in the world, in the promises and not in the problems, in the hope and not in the despair. Patty and I realized God made promises to us about our first unborn daughter. And we began to pray those promises. And she got worse. We prayed them more, and she got worse. But something happened in our hearts. We moved out of Babylon, and we moved into the river that streams make glad the people of God. We even moved away from desperate cries to thankful, grateful expectations in our prayers. Today, that same daughter is the campus coordinator of the church I left in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and is in full-time ministry. And her testimony has been used to touch tens of thousands of people through the ministry of Gateway, which took my church over after I left there through a period of negotiation to, to give them that church. We came to a point in our life where we realized, you know what? We're going to live in Zion even if we die and never see the promise come to pass because we know God will keep his word. And we actually got to the point where we thought that it's possible we may be gone before she comes back to the Lord. But in his goodness, the Lord let us see the promise come to pass. Let me ask you, where do you live? What is this river that the scripture speaks about? You know, the Bible says, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, he said, you know, if you knew who I was, you would ask of me, and I would put a well on the inside of you that would spring up unto everlasting life. In John chapter 7, there's a passage of scripture where Jesus was speaking to a group of people who had gathered, and he makes this comment. He says, if anyone thirsts, John 7, verse 37, let him come to me and drink. In verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You're either going to live from the outside in or you're going to live from the inside out. 
My experience is if you live from the outside in, you are going to become captive to every problem, every struggle, every temptation, every heartbreak, every hardship, every pain, every difficulty. And the entirety of your life is going to be determined by, directed by, and dominated by the circumstances of your life. But if you move away from the river of Babylon and you move to the river whose streams make glad the city of God and you move away from living outside in and you become like the Bible says in Psalm 1, blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. It's a movement away from the circumstances unto Christ. From living outside in to living inside out. From living by the flesh to living by the spirit. To living by the kingdoms and in the kingdoms of this world. To living in the kingdom of the Lord and of his Christ. Living in the world or living in the word. I'm going to tell you there is the option. You may think, well, if that's going to happen, it's just going to happen to me. No, it's something more than something that happens to you. It's something that happens in you. It's something that happens when you say, Lord, you said in your word that I have a decision to make. I can either look at the things that are seen which are temporal or the things that are unseen which are eternal. It's up to me what I'm looking at. It's up to me what I'm focused on. It's up to me where I'm living. You see, without Christ, I don't have a choice. I'm in Babylon. But with Christ, I have the option to live in Babylon or to live in Zion. Not in the outside, but in the inside. And with that choice, something remarkable can happen. Can I tell you, I believe this so deeply that you can even make this decision when it comes to the environment of your own body. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I walk past the mirror and I think, who is that? Do you do that? No, you don't do that, do you? My own body starts to become a bit of a stranger to me. Can start to feel like a foreign land. I can actually start to think back, oh, I remember the old days. I've almost given up on my on my dream to play in the NFL. Almost. I'm, I'm just learning there's some things I can't do anymore. But you see, even if Babylon is my body. The Bible tells me my outward man is perishing. But my inward man is being renewed day after day after day. You can live in the foreign land of even this physical body and let that determine your hope, your joy, your peace, your song. Or you can live in the inward man of the Spirit, being strengthened with might by His Spirit in your innermost being You really do have the choice. As a matter of fact, if you don't believe and don't know that you have the choice, then you've missed a significant aspect of the gospel. 
That's why the Bible says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your affections on things above and not on the things of the earth, for you're dead, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll appear with him in glory. You see, the world so desperately needs, Babylon so desperately needs to hear the songs of Zion. Matter of fact, I think that's maybe the only reason why he leaves us here is to sing the songs of Zion. Because the Bible says that we're a peculiar people called by God out of darkness into his marvelous light that we might show forth his praises. But if you're in Babylon, there's no song to sing. Because how can you sing the song of the Lord in a foreign land? Where do you live? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Lord Jesus, I don't know why you had me go this direction today, but I know that this was what your spirit put on my heart. Lord, we live in a noisy, noisy, noisy world. We live in a world that's shouting to convince us that the seen world is the real world and the unseen world is just a fantasy a mythology, a forgotten dream. But Jesus, then you came and you walked on this world and you lived your whole life in the kingdom. When you walked into a situation, the situation did not transform you, you transformed it. When you met a person, the person didn't change you, you changed them. When you face darkness itself, darkness did not change you, but you defeated it. Even death itself didn't win, and it won't win over us either. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Lord, whether we're living in the foreign land of this physical body that is deteriorating or in the foreign land of a nation that's moving further and further away from what it once was, or whether we're living in a world that is full of problems and wars and rumors of wars and struggles and pain and heartache and difficulty, whether we're living in a family, Lord, that is not acting the way we think they should act, or circumstance, or situation. I don't know what the person is or what the problem is or what the circumstance is, but what I know that I know that I know, there's many things, so many things I don't know, but this one thing I do know, I do know you don't have to live by the rivers of Babylon. You don't have to sit down. You don't have to weep. You don't have to hang up your harp. You don't have to lose your song because there is a river that makes glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. 
Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name right now, do something in our hearts, something real. Bring revelation, Lord. Shift paradigms. Help us to ask ourselves. Help us to ask ourselves, where do I live?